This is the Coin Gamer Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. Welcome to the Coin Gamer Podcast, where we demystify cryptocurrency and the blockchain space. Our aim is to separate the real from the fake. And in this podcast, a solo podcast, we've been doing a lot of interviews. We're going to switch it up a little bit, talk a little bit about some different topics in between the interview podcasts. And so, like I said, you know, we want to separate the real from the fake in this industry. One common held belief that is absolutely fake is the comparison between ICOs and IPOs. You read all over the net that ICOs are replacing IPOs. The terms are used interchangeably, but that's absolutely incorrect. First, let's talk about what are ICOs. ICO stands for Initial Coin Offerings. It's a new way for projects or companies to raise funding. Teams sell tokens or coins that can be used on their platform. So, you know, Bitcoin obviously is a coin. Ethereum is one, right? I can go and launch Fritz Coin, and you can use that coin for a different, whatever purpose I lay out. Many times they're compared to IPOs, but they're not. So, why are they not? So we we'll, we'll kind of let's let's dig into some of the. The, the reasons why they're not. So, equity status. IPO is an equity. ICO is usually not an equity. I say usually because some of that is changing. But up to this point, 99.9% of the ICOs you see out here do not give you equity. What is equity? Equity is ownership. When you purchase shares in an IPO, you have ownership in that company, which gives you right. It could be voting rights. It could be rights to dividends. It could be rights to future cash flows. If the company was to go to bankrupt and they pay down the creditors, you have a share of what's left. So it may be assets. It may be IP. You're not sure, right? An ICO, however, does not give you ownership in the issuer company. You You get a coin, a token in the new company or the ecosystem. What does the coin give you? It, it depends on the ICO. There are two types of ICOs, project ICOs and currency ICOs. Project ICOs issue tokens that can be used in the company's ecosystem. So there's a one ICO was put together by this company called Kick. It's a messenger app like WhatsApp or WeChat. They're based in Canada. And basically, they issued a token that could be used within the messaging app. Developers could build apps within their ecosystem and people could use the token to pay for that app. Similar to, you know, how you saw, you know, there's apps on top of Facebook, there's apps on top of Google, etc. Here's a problem. I think a lot of people think they get excited about some new business, a new company, new team, new project, and they had come out with a coin, a coin and it's like they think they're getting ownership in that project. No, you're getting ownership of the coin that's hopefully going to be used in that project. So let's move on to some other reasons, right? So the company stage, ICOs are usually driven by a, a team that's very, very early. They come out with a white paper. White paper is a document which is like a business plan or a technical specification document that tells you what they're building and what the token will be used for. 
Usually they don't have a product. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times they don't. Sometimes they have a product, but they want to launch a token for something completely different. So that's something you've seen with uh, Telegram, which is another messaging app. So the ICO is pre, pre-stage. It's just a team. So, But IPOs, initial public offerings, is when a company has already relatively matured. They already have a business model. They have audited financials. And they're ready to launch in the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, or any other public markets. And you know that that company has already, you know, validated their business model. You hope. Obviously, that's not that doesn't always happen, but that's that's the goal of it. And that's how it's set up. For example, recently we learned that Spotify and Dropbox are ready to do an IPO. These are companies that people... Millions and millions of people have been using for the last decade or, you know, close to that. So, obviously, you know, and they've matured and they've been around. They've had many stages. They've had many milestones. ICOs don't have that. ICOs are super early. But, you know, if you would compare a stage, it might be investing in Dropbox when Dropbox was super early before they even got they were in an incubator called Y Combinator maybe before they even got into Y Combinator that's what you're talking about the CEO Ju Houston he you know he's an MIT grad built this product and then got into you know was working on this product and got into Y Combinator so the ICO if he was to do ICO the stage comparable stage would be investing in him back then when he was fresh out of college or fresh out of school what have you so Regulation. IPOs, very regulated. They go through a long process of auditing. They have to produce a lot of preset documents. They have to go through registration with the SEC as well as other governing bodies. ICOs do not. Not yet, at least. Things are changing. But as of right now, they do not. They just launch a white paper. They have a great marketing site. Sometimes they get celebrities like Floyd Mayweather, Paris Hilton to promote them. DJ Khaled has been a part of it as well. And they uh, they market and get people to come. They do they do things like discounts for people that get in early to kind of increase the FOMO. They do a lot of other things. So it's more of like a marketing thing that gets people hyped about the project and you get into the you get into it. And then you, you know, you, you you have the coin and you can transact as you as you wish. And that's kind of how it works. Whereas on the IPO side, that you know that definitely won't happen. So you need you have a you have bankers. These companies are audited. They pay taxes. You know, ICOs. You know, they have they have plans of the. You know, the CEO just can't disappear. If the CEO does disappear, there's a board that replaces the CEO, so you know it's a going concern. When the ICO of the team just disappears, you don't know what's going on, right? And so, that being said, you know, fraud happens everywhere. So, it happens in the ICO space, obviously, and even the IPO space, because public companies also could be fraudulent. You know, there's Enron, which is one of the most famous companies that were fraudulent in the public markets. Funding source. So here's another reason, way that they're different. IPOs, you have to use regular money, so dollars or euros, whereas ICOs can only be financed 
by an existing cryptocurrency, such as Bitcoin or Ethereum. Most ICOs are made on the Ethereum blockchain. Therefore, you need Ethereum to purchase it. That being said, there are other blockchains that are coming up, such as NEO and Stellar, that a lot of new ICOs are launching on top of, right? So, you know, I think, you know, that, that's, a, that's a major difference that I think a lot of people don't think about. Marketing and, and communication, right? So founders of a company that is doing a I, initial coin offering, ICO, can communicate how and whenever they want. It's common to see a founder of a company that's doing an ICO communicate across social media, host meetups, attend conferences, have YouTube videos, appear on podcasts. In in the case of IPO, this is impossible, right? Because under American Securities Law, there are two mandatory quiet periods. One is after the company files for an IPO and awaits for the SEC's approval, and the second one is during the first ten days of trading there the reason for this is that the sec and the other governing bodies do not want the voices of the leaders of whatever company that's doing the ipo to sway the public's perception of the investment whereas on the ico side this is you know it's early and it can completely completely happen so you know obviously this is something that government doesn't love and so at least in the u.s the sec and the cftc which governs futures and, and derivatives they met in dc they presented to congress last month and there have been research and quotes that have come out since then they're looking at icos and they're looking to kind of crack down on it and so we will see something where there is there is some kind of uh process around icos and there's going to be laws that are cracked down. And so one thing that ICOs are doing in, in ahead of this is to either only allow for accredited investors in the U.S. or to avoid the U.S. in general. So you'll see a lot of your favorite ICOs will not even let you invest if you happen to be an American. And so, you know, that's also something to, to kind of keep aware of. So size. Right. So going back to the example with Dropbox in the stage, you know, for for Dropbox to raise billions of dollars in ISPO, you could defend that a little bit more because they, you know, they're a company that's been around millions of users, business model already situated. Obviously, you know, they still have a long way to go. You know, perhaps profits are not where they want to be, but they could kind of take that money and you could validate that. ICOs are done at an infancy stage, infancy stage, right? So it's more like angel investing. So angel investing that's done in Silicon Valley or Silicon Alley or whatever tech ecosystem that you're in, it's usually under $1 million, right? So if I have a paper and say I want to raise money, I probably will get less than a million dollars, right? Then... I build like a build and test an early prototype. Then when I get then when I show that prototype, I go and go back to the investors or other or new investors and raise more and kind of keep going. That that's why you have angel round, seed round, series A, series B, series C, series D. Some companies go to series E and then they IPO. 
right? Or there's a purchase that happens before that, or companies just die before that. It happens, right? But with these ICOs, sometimes they're raising over a billion dollars, over two billion dollars with just a paper, right? And so you don't have that iterative step where the team is incentivized to grow lockstep and show growth and achieve metrics before they go and raise. Or, you know, they have to kind of go back and kind of prove they've been done. So they just have a bunch of money in their pockets and that's what it is, right? So you may, you know, it, it might be a good thing because the, the team could focus on building their product without being distracted as far as trying to raise money and, and, and do that or run out of money. They can move fast. On the other hand, you know, some one might argue, does this make sense? Because, you know, these companies may not, you know, the teams may not be incentivized to work as hard because they already got the whole bag up front, right? So it's definitely tough, right? And back to the regulation, audited financials. So IPOs have audited financials. They hire companies like Deloitte, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Ernst & Young, and say, you know, look at our paper. Look at our, our numbers. Look at the money we say we've been making. And, they, and these third-party accounting firms put their stamp of approval. If they, if they falsify that, there's jail time, right? So you know that, the, that you could trust those numbers, at least you hope. Obviously, things have happened in the past where that has not always been the case, and there will be fraud in the public markets as well. It is what it is, right? So you kind of have to be... But that being said, it's, it's a lot safer, right? So, you know, one thing to think about is also, you know, so again, don't want to sound like I'm over overtly negative on ICOs. ICOs are a great funding tool. It's a great source of wealth creation, but you just have to be very, very careful. You have to do your research. Not all of, you know, not every, you know, not, not everything is safe. Why are ICOs so lucrative? I mean, what happens is there's lack of options for the average investor. If you if you're not a accredited investor, you're not getting into I I you're not doing you're probably not doing angel investing. So you're not gonna get into a Facebook early on. You're not gonna get into Dropbox early on, a Spotify, etc. It's really hard to access that. Whereas the blockchain and crypto has democratized that, so anybody can invest in the the newest things. Obviously, like I said, it's changing. Right, so everybody, and also everybody has been hyped as far as what has happened over the past year in the space, and so you know, people have FOMO. People want also want wealth, which is normal, and so you know, everyone wants to find the next Bitcoin. Ethereum became as began as an ICO, so there are ICOs that are amazing and and grew to be things that are comparable to Bitcoin. So it is a legitimate asset class for the right projects. You just have to make sure that you do your research and find the right projects, you know? And so, but what you have to understand is you're not getting ownership. You're getting, for the most part, some some coins are starting to have equity ownerships in, within them, but let's ignore that for now. Mo- most of them have to do with utility, right? So like Ethereum is useful because you can use Ethereum in the ecosystem to build smart contracts, dApps, etc. So a lot of these coins are also saying that, hey, you get the right to get access to whatever service we had. So the, the this is the currency that you have to use to use our service. 
So you have to judge whether that service is useful, right? And whether the the interest in that service will be enough that people may want to buy these coins so they can get access to that service, right? And so one parallel, but that doesn't mean that you own you have ownership in this in the service, right? So one parallel I like to think about is that think of an arcade, think of something like Chuck E. Cheese. So an IP, if Chuck E. Cheese IPOs or IPO'd, let's just for example look at one location, they will, you have rights to the ownership of that location. So you have rights to the you know future profits, dividends, what that what money that that place makes. So they make money on admission, people buying tokens, people and you playing games, people buying sodas, playing buying pizza, etc. Right? If everything hits the fan, there is that real estate that's there. There's the signs, there's the costumes, there's things, there's assets there that could be split up, right? But was if I but Chuck E. Cheese ICO, you're just buying the tokens that people would use to play the game. Right? So it's like, hey, I'm about to open a a Chuck E. Cheese on the corner of 49th in Park Avenue in Manhattan. I think there's high traffic. I think a Chuck E. Cheese needs to be there. Buy this Chuck E. Cheese Park Avenue ICO, and then you will have access. You know, this is what people will be using to play all the games. And I'm going to make it limited. So I'm going to limit it to, let's say, 20 million coins. So once everybody has 20 million coins, people have to get people have to get those coins from you in order to you know, transact in that ecosystem. So that's how it will be used. So it's IPO, you own that Chuck E. Cheese. ICO, you own the coins that people are using to play games in that Chuck E. Cheese. So that's the major difference. So, you know, I want to keep these relatively short. Like I said, we want to mix in some solo, you know, I want to mix in some solo content in between the interviews. Hope you enjoyed it. So if you enjoyed it, please leave a review on your favorite platform, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. That helps people discover the podcast. If you didn't like it, feel free to tweet me some hate tweets. And if you liked it, share with somebody you like. Didn't like it, share with somebody you hate. Either way, we appreciate you listening. Until next time.